I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. We are at Husky Stadium, week number three, spring football 2019. Today, uh, 99% of it was done inside the stadium. The sun was out. It was actually warm. It wasn't cold. The wind wasn't blowing inside the stadium, so it was actually warm. Um, probably the most boring practice until about the last half hour where they did some offensive uh, two-minute drill, but uh, a lot of installs today, Scott. Yeah, I, I mean, but I, mean, I didn't think it was the most boring practice that they've had. It's when they do special teams work, like the whole time. That's those are the boring ones. So, um, you know, today they, they got a lot of work done. You can watch the wide receivers actually because of where we get to sit in the stadium. You can actually see the further side of the field a lot better than we can when we're standing there at the same level on the on the east field. So we got to see the wide wide receivers running, how, how to come in and out of their breaks, how to do different different things that uh, Junior Adams wants them to do. Got to see the quarterbacks make their throws and and how um, Bush Hamden wants them to throw to certain spots and where he wants it at, at different for different routes. So uh, a lot of great stuff. They had a, a two-minute drills, like Kim was saying, and the last, what, 20 minutes, half hour of, of practice, they were doing a two-minute drill where they started on – did they start on their own 35? We can get into that a little 40. We can so, get into that a little bit later. Yeah, but that's where they started, and, and we got to watch that go – go on and and so there was a that got things a little amped up i thought so you know i i thought it was overall a, a pretty productive practice for for both the offense and the defense a lot of work is just getting the ball out to the wide receivers today chris what do you mean just the, the, just the quick outs well well i think they work on all that stuff honestly during all those practices i think to be honest with you i thought the energy was really high today because it was nice out they finally got out there they got in husky stadium which i think helped a lot so I think that was a big part of it. I thought it uh, wasn't a boring practice at all for me. I saw some early team work, and then obviously they went back and, and worked on a bunch of special team stuff like they always do. Got to see the kickers for the first time really hit some kicks, which I thought was nice. Um, got to see the punters do a little bit, which was nice as well. So overall, I thought it was a pretty productive practice. Yeah, Scott, you mentioned you know one of the kicks from Peyton Henry from the 38 on the hash mark. Yeah, 39 actually. So on the hash mark and uh, ended up uh, making that one. Um, missed. We, we don't know if they if he missed one. It's a Pac-12 right? officials moment. Yeah, waiting I mean, to happen. <laughs> one one guy one guy signals so, that it's so good. We, the other guy we doesn't. To, we need to set it up. They set they send down to the not assistant coaches but like the the practice assistants kids who are out there just shagging balls and moving stuff around and they stand under the goal, the thing and the first kick Peyton Henry hits it from 36 yards. And one guy signals good, the other guy waves his hands that it was no good. So we we don't know if he hit that one. <laughs> it looked to me like it looked, looked like I, it was good. I thought it was good. So um, it it you know we'll just call it good. He made all of his hit kicks today. If that one was good, so right. he went he went three for three. Right. Yeah, Joel Whitford out there kicking. It's obvious he's got mm -hmm. a big leg out there. Yeah, he does. You know he. he the ball explodes off of his foot better than it does off of other guys' foots. But um, I don't yeah. know if it's an Australian thing, but it doesn't even look like he's kicking. You know, back in the day, Ray Guy, you know, and those guys would just really extend their legs, mm -hmm. but it doesn't even look like he fully extends. Well, you know, he, it's just a different kicking style nowadays. You know, especially with especially in college. When, you know, we, we saw Ray Guy when he was in the NFL, and the rules were different back then, and, and guys could, could take off whenever they want now. The only guys who can take off, at least in college, are the are the uh, not gunners. Outs, but the gunners, yeah, the gunners. And so, um, you know, that's why they do the 
uh, or no, I'm sorry, in the NFL, only the Gunners can go. In in college, anybody can go. They can go whenever they want. And so um, for uh, Whitford, the, the best thing for him is to roll it out and, you know, do the rugby-style kick, and that's what he usually does. But they worked on just standing in place and doing it today because well, it was more of a pooch kick. Well, back in the day, punters had one kick. They just kicked it. As far as they could. Yeah. As high now, as they could. Now, these, I mean, he's got a knuckleball. He's got a pooch kick. He's got a rollout. They seem to have a, mm-hmm. you know, like a relief pitcher. Yeah. they got, you know, many pitches in their arsenal. Yeah. And Joel Whitford's definitely got that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He does. Yeah. Um, I, thought, I thought Peyton Henry actually had the biggest leg today. Of the, the, he tried some punts. punters, yeah. And he booted it way up in the air. I mean, way up in the air. So, because it looked like they were trying to see how close to the goal line they could get without maybe kicking it in the end zone. Mm-hmm. So, I thought that was interesting. You know, one of the guys that's really stood out, and when I was talking to some of the players post practice today, um, everybody seems to bring it up. Uh, Taylor Rapp was a guy who came in early. He was an early enrollee, and we just kept on saying, How are they going to keep this guy off the field? Cam Williams is starting to be that guy. Yeah, he had a pick today, which was great. Um, I don't remember second. if it was a tip, but it was a uh, it was a was it Hainer that threw the pass? Yeah, it wasn't a tip pass. It was just no. Yeah, he was just a little overthrow. But he he got and, and the the defense the defensive backs were flying after that. I mean, they were loving it. I mean, they, you know, I think they know that he's out here competing and he's trying to get a spot and he's trying to do the best that he can. And and like um, Coach Pete said on Friday, he's a guy that even if he's making mistakes, he's going a hundred percent. And, um, you know, if it may be an assignment error or something like that, it doesn't matter. I mean, he's playing balls to the wall and going for it. And uh, I think you saw it today. He's, he, he really is making a difference, I think. Are you seeing a kind of a similar trajectory as Taylor Rapp? Well, when Taylor Rapp showed up, there was a, there was a spot at safety open, wasn't there? I don't remember, but all I remember is that Taylor Rapp really started to do something at the end of the season anyways. I mean, yeah. when, he, when he won – the player of the game for the pack for the Pac-12 championship that kind of came out of nowhere. Those two picks kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, it wasn't like everyone was all of a sudden going, "Oh, he's ready for a big game. He's going to explode." Um, so, you know, that's typically the way you've seen it, Kim. At the end of this season is when some of the true freshmen really start to show up if they show up at all. Is that they show up kind of at the end of the year? We saw that a little bit with Ty Jones a couple years ago. Saw it with Joe Tryon last year a little bit. Um, not as a true freshman, but just, you know, kind of end of the year is when they kind of show up and it finally the light kind of comes on. And um, I, don't, I don't know if the light will come on for Cameron Williams till the end of the year, but he certainly seems to be doing everything right. Yeah, to me he seems like a guy they're going to have a tough time keeping him off the field. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, he's going to see the field. Uh, also had a chance to talk I to I don't him. think he'll redshirt, let's just put it that way, because no. anybody can see the field now, nowadays, but uh, he's the one that's, that's not going to – I don't think he's going to redshirt. Also had a chance to talk to Keith Bonifa about mm-hmm. uh, Richard Newton. You know, we haven't really had a chance to see what he can do mm-hmm. because – you know, it's just tough with running backs because there's no hitting. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, Bonifa says he's up to 215 pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, when they recruited him, he's about 119 pounds. But uh, what? Would you? Say? 190 pounds. Okay. 119 <laughs> yeah, pounds. 190. Is a little different. Yeah. But what was funny is you'll probably get a kick out of this, Chris. He said 22 was about the only number available for running backs at the time, and he's been trying to shed that 22 because everybody well, thinks he's LeBron. Yeah. Well, there's 24, 25, 26 have all been taken. 35 and 36 are taken. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not exactly sure what number he could have used except for maybe one in the teens or something maybe. But, um, yeah, I mean, I wonder if he's actually even seen film of LeVon Coleman. That's the, the, kind of the crazy part. If he hasn't, 
maybe they've put some film on there of him. So they, there's some uncanny similarities for but sure. We, we kind of made, I kind of made the comment to him. We saw him around last year, and he was injured quite a bit, but then he walks out the first day of spring camp, and we're just looking at him and going, whoa, who's that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he look, he's, looks the part. Also had a lot of nice things to say about, is it Jamin? Is that how you pronounce it? Jamin Patu. Jamin Patu, the walk-on from O'Day. Yeah, well, I mean, he's a, he's a guy who was the um, – Player of the year wasn't he in the state of Washington? Yeah, I thought yeah, player of the year at least by the Seattle Times and uh, was he like three A player of the yeah, year maybe? No, I think it was player yeah, of the year. Yeah, player of the year. I might be wrong on that, but I think that's what it was. Anyway, yeah, I mean the guy can play ball. He's just not explosive. That's his problem. Yeah, well, I, th- I expect to see him quite a bit on special teams this year. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he'll, he'd be more of a blocker. He's not going to be a, a return guy. Yeah, but yeah. And getting back to the offense and getting back to the quarterbacks, you know, they looked like they were splitting reps up pretty evenly. But then towards the end of practice, they had the two-minute drills where, you know, it was just uh, Hayner and Eason. So Mm -hmm. uh, neither one of them were able to score. We didn't see the last one on Eason, whether he was able to score or not. Well, yeah, Bacelli said he was in and defense said he was out. And the coaches ruled him out. And it doesn't matter anyways because the clock went and ran out. And he wasn't in the end zone. So right, he was really like matter. at the two-yard yeah, line or like something. Two yard line. So it didn't really matter whether it was in or not. The, the clock had run out. Because what they did was they set him up on, was it their own 35? It was about the, I, I saw it was around the 40, okay. 41 is okay, what I saw. Okay, whatever it was. Anyway, so basically they set it up a uh, minute and 40 seconds left. Oh. Um, at their, let's just say it's the 40-yard line. Like they had one timeout? Yeah, and they have one timeout, and they're down eight. Yeah. So they have to score a touchdown and a two-point conversion. And with about 11 seconds left, Easton actually had Terrell Bynum for a touchdown and just went right through his hands. Yeah. I don't know. He was being defended. It wasn't like it was Dominique easy Hampton catch. had good yeah. defense on it him. It wasn't an easy catch, but he still needs to make that catch. Yeah. I mean, to, to win a game or to tie a game, you absolutely have to make that catch. So um, Easton had him for what looked like it could have been a touchdown. didn't happen. And then they kind of stalled out at the, I think it was about the four-yard line, six-yard line, something like that. For Eason, yeah, was it? Well, I thought I thought it, I thought he caught it around the two. It was okay, it was right on the sideline. He didn't catch it, just where they snapped oh, the ball from. Yeah, I think it was around the six. Yeah, so six five, whatever it was. Yeah. So that stalled out, and then uh, with Jacob East, or I'm sorry, uh, Jacob Jake Hayner, um, he did the he had the same drill, same scenario situation, and uh, his drive stalled out about the twenty. Yeah, because they had one. He yeah. threw. He tried to throw one pass to Chin in the end zone that was blocked. That was knocked down on fourth um, down. down. So yeah, it was. He didn't get nearly as far. Um, a little more dink and dunk, whereas uh, Eason maybe threw a couple passes that were a little bit more down the field. Mm-hmm. So either one of those quarterbacks really stand out to you. To me, they didn't. No one stood out from the other one. I thought they both did some good things. They both. I think both of them had some bad throws. So it didn't. Really yeah. To me, I thought this was Jacob Eason's best day. Yeah. Um, you could tell. I mean, especially like in the seven-on-seven work and what have you, which I thought, you know, again, and I think we need to preface this by saying, you know, they were doing some, some you know, from the 30 yards in. Mm-hmm. And so they were trying to get them some touchdowns, trying to get them some confidence, trying to do some things that way. So they had some team periods and some and some seven-on-seven drills and things like that that really – uh, started to show off what the quarterbacks could do throwing the ball, and I really thought that there were some throws that Jacob Eason. And again, you know, we've seen this since he was in Lake Stevens. We, he just makes some throws that other guys just aren't able to make. He he darted some balls into guys like Bynum and, and Chico McClatcher and some like that. That just those other guys. I don't know if they would attempt them, but if they would, I don't know if they would get there. So I, I 
you know, I understand, again, this is not rocket science. We know why people are excited about Jacob Eason, and I think he's, he started to really show today um, maybe some of those moves that he can make. And, again, having those two guys in there at the end for those team periods in that, in that uh, two-minute drill I thought was telling. There was a goal line – not goal line, sorry, red zone session – where each quarterback, I don't Dylan Morris. I don't know if he got in for. I don't think that, he did. I think he was the only one that did. He was the only one that didn't. But it was uh, Yankoff, Sermon, Hainer, and Eason all had touchdowns yep. um, on that on that session. One of them was Hainer, kind of throwing it up, and Jack Westover making a nice uh, catch for a touchdown. Right. Um, but uh, Colson Yankoff actually had a really nice throw to Chico McClatcher. Honestly, I think this is Cole. Colson Yankoff's best day of spring so yeah. far. He, he put the ball right on the money a couple times, a couple RPOs that he made nice throws on, yeah. or a couple that he didn't have great throws on. But for the most part, I thought this was the uh, best. I, I would also note, too, that Jacob Sermon, I thought, had the best seven-on-seven seven work that I, mm-hmm. that I saw. Of him his, or yeah, of his the group? Yeah, of the group. I thought his throw to Devin Culp, for a mm-hmm. touchdown right off the bat looked was look. I mean, it looked really good. You could he was a little jacked up yeah. for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think he threw another one as well. But I thought overall, again, I think the coaches may have set it up to to have the success for the offense and the quarterbacks a little bit more than normal. But they took advantage of that, and I think that's a, an encouraging sign. I think Washington fans should be really excited because this is the good side of the quarterbacks. This is some things that we saw that we kind of expected to see throughout spring, and you know sometimes it's balanced in their favor and sometimes the defense gets to throw curveballs at him and that's why we see him struggle at times yeah and one of the guys that i think you know he hasn't really had a you know a dominant practice yet but one of the guys that we keep on looking at and just seems that he could break out at any time terrell bynum yeah but we talked about it earlier though he had a drop yeah today well i I don't know if i'd call that a drop i mean hampton had his hand in there right through his hands hampton Hampton was on him he was on him i'm not saying it shouldn't have been a catch but look if Terrell Bynum can, can be a consistent pass catcher for Washington, it would be unbelievable for this offense. Yeah. Because then you'd have Bacelli, you'd have Fuller, you'd have Bynum, you'd have Jones, and then maybe either Austin Osborne or, or Spiker. And then Chico, throwing Chico in the different ways that they can use yeah. him. I just think, I just think that, this, that even, even as good as the offense looked and as kind of slanted towards the offense as the coaches made this particular practice, now I, I expect Wednesday's probably going to be the exact opposite, mm-hmm. right? But as much as they made it, they still didn't score at the end. Defense, yeah. The defense is just that good, guys. Yeah. I mean, they just, you know, whether it's bend but really don't break, guys, they, are, they are pushing these guys to the limit. I talked to Junior Adams and, and Andre Bocelli after practice, and I just said, are you going to hear, you know, even though you guys move the ball a little bit, are you guys going to still hear about this from the defense? they like, oh, yeah. He goes, hey, but when we make plays, we'll make sure they know about it too. Mm-hmm. So the, comp- the, the competition is, is really strong right now. Getting back to what you said about Terrell Bynum, yeah, he's, he makes plays. He's not being consistent, though. That's his problem. That's has been his problem since he's been here is he hasn't consistently made the plays. He's got the ability. He's just got to be able to get open and make plays. And th- out of the three guys that they brought in last year, when you take a look at Austin Osborne, Trey Lowe, and Marquis Spiker, mm-hmm. the one that seems to be flashing the most is uh, Austin Osborne. Yeah, I, I think between the three of those guys, although today we saw Trey Lowe catch, and, catch a couple passes, uh, they're going to use him a lot. I mean, people, I mean, other than the number, you're going to, he's going to be used almost exactly like Chico McClatcher is. I just see so many different ways they're going to use Trey Lowe. Uh, Marquis Spiker. <laughs> well, hold on a second. You, so you mentioned that in all the different ways. The one thing that really stood out to me that I'm sure you guys didn't even notice at all, but I kind of made a little mental note about it. Did you see him throw the ball at all? No, huh? He threw a ball a couple times back mm-hmm. to the line of scrimmage, like down from down the field. I was like, 
Hmm. He's oh, got an talking, interesting. He's got an talking, interesting arm on him. Yeah, so it wasn't a play. No, no, no. I just talking about him with the ball in his hand, okay. throwing the ball to a, the. He's, he's got a Dante Pettis. He's got a, he's got a little bit of an arm, I'd say, okay. and he, he threw a nice pass. Let's okay. put it that way. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that, you know Trey Lowe is gonna be Dante Pettis throwing double passes. But would it shock me? No. Well, Dante was throwing him, and then oh, last year was it Bacelli? Bacelli, I think was throwing him. Yeah. So they've got. I think the they've one, got some guys. Was that the one that threw it to? Is he? Is Bacelli the one who threw it to? The Hunter. Hunter. In the Apple Cup. In the Apple Cup. Is that? What I want to say yes. I think it was. I yeah. want to say yes. Well, anyway, whoever it was, you know. But Spiker presents such a, a big target and catch radius and everything like that. But he hasn't been consistent. He had a drop today in the ends in the back yeah. of the end zone where <clears throat> Colson put it right where he needed to. And and uh, he had it in his hands to cradle it, yeah. and he just dropped it. So he needs to be more consistent. The guy who, when it, they do get him a pass thrown his way, Austin Osborne makes a catch almost every time. Yeah. He's gonna get. He got you two first downs today for Jake. Hayner had a really nice throw to the sideline to him, and he caught it. Yeah, uh, it was almost like to, out of the out of bounds. Was and I, it with, I think uh, it, maybe it was Hampton Kyler that was on Gordon. it. Or, oh, no, it was Kyler. Kyler. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It was Kyler yeah. Gordon that was on him. So I, I thought that was good. I was going to give a gold star to the to the tight ends today for their work. And then all of a sudden, Jack Westover has that perfect pass that's thrown right to him in the end zone. It gets tipped. And then well, he, he tips it. Right it yeah, he just – he it, it, one of those pops where it's like it pops off his – you know, instead of catching it with your hands yeah. extended, it popped off his chest and Keith Taylor was Johnny on the spot. Yeah. Would that have been a pick six, 100-yarder? I don't know if it would have been a 100-yarder, but it, it definitely would have been brought out to, like, the 30 or 40-yarder. Defense, defense was pretty geeked out of, after that one because right. he was right there, and it just it should not have helped. It shouldn't have been a touchdown. Touch but he's had a really good spring, too. He's certainly a guy. Yeah, he's certainly a guy that uh, I don't think anyone would have been I'm, talking I'm about normally. Right now, people, like, made fun of the fact that I said that Jack Westover might have made it so that Washington didn't feel like they had to take a tight end. Yeah. And I didn't mean that he was worthy of a scholarship at this point or anything like that. What I was trying to get at was they don't have to reach for a guy with a scholarship because they feel like they've got a, a fifth tight end in this group. They could put him in a game and feel comfortable. I think, I think they would. I, now, maybe not as a blocker. He might be more of a receiver than a blocker. But he's a guy who, who has improved. He's gotten bigger. And he's someone who has made it so that I think Washington feels comfortable if they didn't, in the 2019 class, if they didn't get the guys they wanted. They had three guys that they really targeted. Kyle Patterson was one they targeted late. And he wanted to commit to Washington, and they pulled his offer. Yeah. Okay? They said, we're not taking a tight end. We ran out of room. And that's why he ended up at Air Force. Right. But, but the problem is Washington had the chance to get some other guys, weren't able to get them. And then when Patterson wanted to commit, they just said, we kind of like what we have now. I have a, my question to you guys is, do you feel more comfortable with a guy like Westover right now than any of the guys that just graduated outside of Drew Sample or left, like a Justice Warren or a Deshaun Williams or a Michael Neal? Do you, do you already feel like he's ahead of those guys? I in think terms he's of, ahead of Mike Neal. I think he's ahead of Justice Warren. I think he's ahead of uh, uh, I don't know as a blocker. For yeah. Justice Warren, but definitely as a receiver, yes. Okay, it's interesting. To me, one of the most interesting thing is is just you know it's like three card money out there with the defensive backs. Keith, uh, you know, um, they can just put so many different combinations out there. They've got so much depth mm -hmm. out there. Um, I, I think you can lock in Brandon McKinney and Keith Taylor as the starters. But other than that, I well, think you that, mean 
safety in the corner. Just, yeah, I mean, they're taking Miles Bryant mm-hmm. and putting him at safety. Sometimes he's playing the nickel, but they're playing guys well, in a variety. Miles Bryant's going to start somewhere. Uh, yeah. he, he, there Bryant, yeah. The, the four, four guys that are definitely going to start in the secondary are Molden, yeah. Taylor, McKinney, and Bryant. Correct. It's really a fight right now between Gordon and Hampton, Hampton. for that other spot, and they're going back and forth. Those yeah. guys are – one guy's doing the first team. The other guy's doing the second team, and then they flip it. They, they do that all the time. I think if you're going to – for me, I love Kyler Gordon, but I love the size of Dominic Hampton, and I want to see him out there opposite Keith Taylor. But what do I think is going to happen? I think Kyler Gordon's your starter. See, that, and the weird is going into spring, I would have thought Kyler Gordon probably had the inside edge, and then you hear about the 42-and-a-half-inch vert. You hear about the, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. numbers from, mm-hmm. from his uh, – from his, uh, combine day, and you're like, okay, he's he's put in the work, he's ready to go. But uh, today kind of opened my eyes a little bit. Dominique Campton, I've always known, was so really long. good, but uh, he is quite the cover. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah, he can I make life think, tough for people. I still think it's going to be Kyler Gordon outside, but you're going to see both of those guys play a ton this year. And another guy who I think is going to play a lot, and he's not playing right now because he's still dinged up and healing, is Julius Irvin. I don't. I they love Julius. Irvin. You're going to see Julius Irvin at safety, safety. or or corner. Probably safety, safety at yeah. this point. It's what's going to be really interesting is is that as good as as Cameron Williams is playing right now, Asa Turner looks mm-hmm. the part. When I mean, he came in this last week, he's all at six four, and then Cameron, you know Fabi Kalanen is he's as rangy as, as Hampton is, and then on top of it, now all of a sudden we're not even talking about the guy that was the most highly rated. DB out of all of them, which is Trent McDuffie. Yeah. And so, you know, what if Trent McDuffie all of a sudden comes in and he's just like, oh, I'm going to take all your spots. I you know, personally what if think it, well, that guy would benefit. I mean, all guys, I think, benefit from a redshirt season. Huh? But that guy should redshirt, my opinion, should redshirt. Be like a Byron Murphy type situation. Byron situ- Murphy, basically. Because yeah. Keith Taylor, as long as he has a season we think he's going to have, he's probably gone <laughs> after this season. And if that's the case, I don't think Elijah Molden leaves early, but – you just never know. But he's been so good over the slot. It would be great to have Trent uh, McDuffie as you're working in as your third corner with uh, Hampton and Gordon and then have Elijah Molden, that starter, over the over the nickel, over the slot. There is just so much talent in that DB room. It's, it's ridiculous. Well, I remember the days when we had Roy Lewis and that was it. Yeah. Or we had Derek Johnson and that was it. You know, or Marcus, or, or Desmond Trufant. Or Desmond Trufant, or who was the safety, C.J. Wallace, yeah. you know, or something like But Sean you only Parker. had one or two guys in that safety. Now, it just seems like you could have, you have pros, guys who project to the pros at every position in the secondary. And that is something I don't know if the Huskies have ever had since 1991. Well, Jimmy Lake's biggest problem is finding playing time for these guys. Mm-hmm. But what's really interesting is he just says that he keeps on building on this defense. He says, you know, from everything I want to implement, there's still a ways to go. But there's just so much talent mm-hmm. in there. It just makes that room so interesting. Well, we've certainly gotten the sense and we've heard it from the guys that have actually gone into the league the difference between playing at Washington in the secondary and playing in the NFL in the secondary, there's not as much of a difference as you might think. Mm-hmm. And that they're playing, they're playing a lot of pro-type schemes. And, um, yeah, I mean, this is, these are things that trickle down into recruiting. And people, they pay attention to this stuff. Coach, high school coaches pay attention to this stuff. The people that are helping the prospects make decisions are paying attention to this stuff. It's, it's, it's important, and it's uh, something that really builds off of itself because – 
they can walk the talk. I mean, they can show you exactly what they're doing, and then they can go, oh, wait, look at the tape. Watch the games where we were doing this, that, and the other thing. Look at the fact that, you know, for, what was it, what's it, 35 straight games so far, they've held teams under 30 points or 30 points or less Mm -hmm. in 35 straight games, which is a, right now, that's the tops in college football. Um, you know, it's just, it's just, it's emblematic of the way the defense is played in general. The, the secondary is kind of, you know, kind of held the flag, held the banner for this death row defense. And, you know, it just, it, it just kind of keeps perpetuating and keeps moving. And that's why we talk about the constant thing, Kim, of, of whether or not they're rebuilding or reloading. They are truly right now in reload mode. Uh, a couple of former players here. Uh, one big recruit here, Scott. Um, who are the four, oh so JoJo McIntosh and Jalen Johnson? I saw them. Who right, else? that, that was all. Those I saw. Are the only two. Okay, and then uh, uh, Jonah Monheim, the uh, O lineman from Moore Park High School down in California, guy who with an offer from the University of Washington. Big thick kid. Yeah, I I think he's going to end up playing, moving inside and playing guard. But uh, one way or the other, he's a big kid, and I'm going to try and get a hold of him and and find out how his visit to Seattle went because I think this is his first one. Built similar to Luke Wattenberg, would you say? I think a little bigger, a little bit bigger frame, the same height, but same bigger he's frame. He's about six. I mean, he's legit six, six five. five. I thought he might have been six six. He's a big dude. Yeah. How good is that kid? He's got offers from most of the Pac twelve. Um, I think some some schools from out of region have also been after him too. Michigan, I think. Not one hundred percent sure on that, but. Quite a few schools are on. Okay, and any recruiting notes from over the weekend? Uh, over the weekend, you know, they, they offered Sawyer Racanelli. That was a big um, offer. Tick, um, tick, tick, yeah, tick, that tick, one's, tick, That one, I, you know, he's saying all the right stuff, like I'm going to go take some visits and do different things. And it wouldn't surprise me if he takes it to the end of this month or even into May at some point. But that, that kid's going to end up being a husky, in my opinion. I, I don't I'm getting the gun and I'm putting it to your head, Scott. Wide receiver. Okay, wide receiver. That's where they're recruiting them at. Okay. Uh, there, trust me, there's a battle going on, but he wants to play wide receiver. And they want to get a guy like him in their system. He's going to play wide receiver, at least to start. All right. Final thoughts from today, Chris? Again, I think we just need to make it clear that we think the, the, the coaches kind of geared this this particular practice more towards the offense, having some success, short fields, some you know some of those types of things, and yet the defense still came out and held them at the end uh, during the, the, the during the two minute drills, which I thought was interesting. Uh, the competition is fierce right now, um, but again, I still feel like outside of maybe the one or two periods that we saw maybe a week ago inside in terms of the quarterbacks throwing the ball down the field, this is as good as we've seen them all spring. I thought they had a really really good spring um, or a really really good day today, and. Um, Again, uh, really, really productive practice. They got a ton done, ton of special teams work. And uh, but again, um, you know, for those that are that are that are hoping for a Jacob Eason kind of breakthrough and things like that, he certainly looked good today. Final thoughts, Scott Eklund. Uh, just to echo on Chris, you know, I, I think this was set up to help the offense get some momentum and, and things like that. But you know, I don't know if they just did it saying, "Hey, we need to get the offense yeah. some, no, no, some no, stuff." No, it was no. more just, "Hey, these are things we want to work this, on." This but is it, where this lied in the schedule. But it puts the offense in a much more advantageous position yeah. than some of the other situations they put them in. Yeah. So. 
That all being said, um, you know, I thought the running backs flashed a little today. They did some some read option, some zone option stuff, and and uh, uh, read zone stuff. And and um, I thought Richard Newton actually hit a hole really hard. Savon Ahmed, we saw him uh, hit a, hit a hole really hard. Um, you know, Sean McGrew is still kind of tentative running into that middle of that line. I, I, I think he just doesn't know what kind of running back he wants to be. Is he going to be a guy who runs in between the tackles? Is he going to be a guy who gets outside? So, um, a lot of different things. Kamari Pleasant also had a couple nice runs. So, um, you know, overall defense, I thought did their thing, but uh, the offense definitely had the better day of the two two sides. I think. Yeah, and just taking a look, you know, at the first two weeks, I think that it's pretty obvious to see that the two strengths of this team are going to be the defensive secondary, and we haven't talked a lot about the offensive line. I think the offensive line, you know, they've got five experienced yeah, starters one, coming back. One thing I well, so they they've got four regular starters coming back, but one guy with starting experience for half of the season and uh, Jared Hilbers coming back and probably playing the right side. I asked Scott Huff if this is the most experience he's ever had coming back uh, among the top, you know, seven, eight guys um, on his on his list. And he, and he goes, yeah, probably. And, and, and I'm talking to either stop, either at Boise State or at Washington. But he said, you got to remember, though, of the 18 guys we have out there um, right now, he said um, – Let's see, how did he put it? He said either uh, it was something like 13 of those guys are either redshirt freshmen last year, so they're, they're third-year players now that have played just a little bit, like Henry Bainavalu. They either redshirted last year, so they never saw the field other than in practice, or they're true freshmen. So he said, it might seem like I've got a lot of bodies, and I do, but I don't have a ton of experience other than these top-end guys like Adams, Harris, Wattenberg. Jackson Kirkland only has one year as a starter. Yeah, no experience you know, depth. And, 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 and so I said, do you have seven or eight guys that you feel comfortable putting on the field at this point? Like if a game was this Saturday, do you have seven or eight guys? And he said, yes, he does. Yeah. And yeah. I think that includes that. So those are your five starters across the front. Then I think Bainavalu. I think MJ Ale would be in there, and I think he's out uh, of that spring. And I think either you could say Cole Norgard or you could say Henry Roberts. Yeah, those it, would be your guys. As a head coach, the one thing you look down your roster, it's nice to see experience yeah. on the offensive mm-hmm. line yeah. and defensive secondary. Uh, just a quick shout out to Damon Heward and Passing Time Wine. Uh, great event up there with Damon. Um, uh, he got his three scores back on his wine for anybody who knows anything about wine. He got 98, 98, 96. And his son got named number one quarterback in the country for his class. It's not a bad week for Damon. And he but, got a better grade than all his, all his wines. Yeah, but, but what's funny is here's the number one quarterback in the country. Damon's got his kids schlepping wine out to the cars at the event. He's got him working. So, uh, Gotta start somewhere. Oh, yeah. No, it was pretty cool watching uh, watching him. Keep him humble. Yeah. Oh, no. He was carrying wine, so I didn't make him carry mine out. Yeah, you did. No, you I said did. you did. No, I didn't. You were going to take a picture of no, him. Uh-uh, I okay. didn't. I was watching him. Oh, okay. I had the other guy. Oh, you were going to do it. Okay. Yeah. So, anyways, um, hey, uh, just letter? a reminder. If you want those daily updates in your inbox, as well as any breaking news alert, like commitments or anything like that, shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter, and we will get those out to you. For all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds, along with Chris Fetters and the Scott Eklund. Go dogs.